Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. He's a mean man. Yeah, meaner than a junkyard dog. Yep, meaner than an old fat hog. But although an old fat hog is actually probably pretty happy, I think that that's a uh, that's no, no, categorizing mean, a big fat hog in a negative light, and I don't like it. Meaner than old King Kong. Oh, and King Kong was mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was he was tortured. He was like Damian Eccles from the West <laughs> Memphis Three, beaten, beaten, beaten down. Yeah. Although Damian never turned to the dark side, he Not stayed once. a very, very positive individual and uh, is quite an enlightened person. Um, that's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. Today it's a big day. It's a special day. Everybody wants to uh, say something to Marcus Parks, and I'm the only one here, um, <laughs> so I have to say it myself. And that is. Uh, Happy birthday, Marcus Parks. Thank you. That would be much better if it weren't so strained. <laughs> no, it was not strained. <laughs> I am happy that you were born. Thank you. 31 days, 31 years mm-hmm. ago to this day, Marcus Parks was queefed into the world <laughs> by his lovely mother. Yes. And uh, I just want to thank if Marcus's mother is listening. She's not. Not. She's not at all listening. Definitely not. My brother, probably, but not my mother. Well... Your and brother he can be violent. So Which one? Thomas. Thomas? So Thomas, two- you should have kicked him back in. <laughs> you should have kicked him right back in there. You unleashed the, the devil on the world. Mm. You're a devilish uh, soul, Marcus. Thank you. But that's okay. Yeah, you, well, you're welcome. <laughs> that's right. I forget. That's a compliment around these parts. I'm a good person. You are a good person. So happy birthday, and I'm happy you're around. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make it to your birthday party this year. Fucking A. You're not going to bail on me for some chick this year like you did for my 30th birthday. Nobody cares about a 30th birthday. <laughs> I'm 32 years old. It doesn't matter. 31st, however, very, very important. Well, you're in your early 30s it's something it's a thing that it is a thing and i'll tell you ladies and gentlemen listening first of all hey how are you <laughs> second of all uh last year at this time some people think well, what's the date today january 18th 19th 19th some people think january 19th oh it's a special day because you know marcus parks was born and i enjoy his radio programs <laughs> uh other people Again, that's me. Yeah. That's it. Uh Uh-huh. Remember this day for a different reason. That's the day that I was able to, let's just say, have a wonderful conversation Mm -hmm. with a woman that was 
of stunning attraction. Mm-hmm. How'd that work out for you? Well, we're not talking <laughs> right now. Right now. Peju. Uh-huh. And I had met Peju at Madison Square Garden while I was working as a temp there. And Marcus, you can attest. Mm-hmm. One oh, of yeah. the most beautiful women that's ever existed. No, I wouldn't say one of the most beautiful. She's a beautiful woman, yeah. That's ever existed. <laughs> yeah. And that's the reason I was busy conversating with her. She was uh-huh. loving my tales. She was loving hearing about my childhood. Oh, yeah. You know, hearing about my my uh, my parents. By the way, I was I was thinking about this. Anyway, long story short, I missed this fucking 30th birthday party because I was too busy um, with a woman that I wish I was still too busy with to miss your 31st birthday party with. Well, let's make it all about you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, she was a nice gal, but obviously uh, it would not have worked out. Um, but I was thinking about this today. You know, um, my parents, they were nuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were born today. Yes. And that's exciting. And you weren't aborted. Not and at all. I was, I was talking with my friend Tina, and I, was, I had the memory of being in sixth grade. And my parents were these kind of parents who, uh, these kind of evangelical Christians who had the aborted fetuses on the side of the car. All the time? No, not all the time, but only during, uh, you know, rallies. The abortion frenzy <laughs> of 1989. Um, and, uh, it was a very interesting experience and my parents, I guess it was 19, I was six years old, uh, 1981, we're talking 1987. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it was a very fascinating experience and my parents wonder why I enjoy horror and why I, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't, I don't protest when I see death and blood. I have a distinct memory of my mother showing me a picture of a, of a baby and, uh, it had its head in a, a pair of tongs and it wasn't alive. No, I don't That's not, not good. <laughs> That's not what you want when you're a baby. You know, you want to have a maybe a nice little onesie on. Mm. But this baby just had tongs. And then it was and there was a bowl of blood full of its guts and things. And uh well that'll traumatize a young boy. So isn't that interesting? <laughs> and but 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 now you were born though and you weren't uh you weren't uh late late uh birth abortioned i was planned in fact you were planned they wanted you they wanted me isn't that you don't know what you got till you got it you yeah. don't know what you want till you got it <laughs> and then you're like oh what am i gonna do with it yeah, it's well, like money and wealth you know they wanted a girl mo marcus mo problems well you're <laughs> as close as they get i'm pretty close you're sensitive i am you do a uh, you do a relationship podcast yes i do sexual in nature mm-hmm. a lot of people like to hear it yeah so you're yeah as far as friends go you're a eunuch. I, <laughs> I have many friends who are women. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I do as well. Yeah. You know? So that's great. I was, um, I was hanging out last night, Marcus. No one was at my apartment. I didn't drink a bottle of vodka alone. Oh. I didn't do that, you know? <laughs> um, I watched a great documentary. It's on Netflix, and you got to check it out, people. It's called Informant, and it's about a fellow named Brandon Darby. And this Darby is a real douche. Um, He's a, he's a Texas man as well, as a matter of fact. Yeah. He's terrified for his life. He's a former, uh, he is a former radical, um, he really, he wanted to, he's one of these guys who, um, he watches war movies, he watches movies about, uh, you know, prisons and, and things like that, and he fantasizes about revolution. Yeah. But it's unfortunate that we live in a country where whenever you think about revolution, you usually think about it, uh, but then the appetizer that you ordered at Applebee's comes, and you can't stop talking about the taquitos. <laughs> usually. 
That's usually what happens. You're like, you know, I really think the federal government is overreaching their bounds. I mean, just look what happened in Boston after the marathon bombing. They were just trouncing all over people's yards. There was no uh, there was no rights whatsoever for the homeowner. What? That's a great big margarita you got. <laughs> Holy Lord, with the salt on the rim. I get, can't believe it. Get me one of them. Exactly. What were we talking about? <laughs> That's the American way. Yeah. God forbid. You can't have a con- You imagine having a conversation at an old country buffet. Mm. There's no way you can do it. Of course not. You're constantly getting up, getting more rolls. They roll up everything. <laughs> Pizza rolls, taco rolls, meat rolls. And then, of course, they have the three fountain, uh, the uh, the caramel fountain, the white chocolate fountain. Uh, you're talking and- about Golden Corral, my friend. Oh, what an idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marcus. I'll never make that mistake again. <laughs> I'm a real, I'm a real ass. I feel like a real horse's ass. You feel worse about this than you do about missing my 30th birthday. Well, absolutely I do. <laughs> absolutely I do. Uh, no, happy birthday last year. Yes. That- and uh, I'll wish you a, bir- a happy birthday for this year, next year, and uh, it'll be perfect. Yes, it will be. We'll just call this your 30th. Sure. If I'm not there, it never happened. That's what I say. Last year didn't happen? No. <laughs> I don't believe. I didn't know it was going to be such a deal. But then he was very dramatic about it, and he cried and cried and cried. And then finally, I apologized. Uh, Well, kind of. I did apologize. (laughs) I did. I said, actually, I think my exact quote was like, is this something we have to like do something about? Do we have to like have a hug or something? No. And then you said no. Mm-hmm. So that was close. <laughs> so that was, but I threw it out there. I threw you the olive branch. You know, uh-huh. don't don't get upset. That was last. Year. I'm going. I'm going to the damn birthday today. Yeah. I'm okay. Great. All right. <laughs> anyway, so this Darby character, he fancies himself a revolutionary, and uh, he really wants to make some social change happen. He has an opportunity to do. Exactly that in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after, uh, for those that don't uh, recall, um, after Hurricane Katrina hit, a lot of people were displaced, obviously, and a lot of folks weren't allowed to go back into their homes. And a lot of people were very upset with the federal government for not sending aid quick enough. Of course, you had the shot of, of George W. Bush flying over in, a, in an airplane, which was just a bad picture to publish because in reality, there was no place for him to land. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and, uh, it would be kind of fun to see him you know, actually try to get out there and get his, get down there and get his hands dirty. It was just a bad PR move, but really it's not, uh, wasn't the biggest deal on earth, but there was a bunch of militias running around. Everyone kind of organized, um, and it kind of, as people will do, uh, mm-hmm. they organized mostly by race. Uh, and there was a large, uh, group of a, a large white militia and these guys, they were, uh, very Southern. <laughs> uh, they, they spoke very Southern like, and, uh, I would argue exceptionally racist. Go well. And uh, they shot a bunch of black dudes. And so Darby, Mr. Brandon Darby, he went down there. He wanted to join forces with the Black Panther Party and start, uh, you know, start a, start a group that would then get people back into their homes and things like that. Positive intentions overall. Of course, uh, long story uh, short, it turns out the Black Panther Party wasn't so much into the idea of revolution, uh, more into the idea of selling him a timeshare, uh, which is true. I don't know if it was exactly a timeshare, but they, they, he was told to come into this car, and, uh, and uh, it was a very important meeting. He was told it was a vital meeting, be there on time. And a couple of guys get out of the car. He goes in. He's sitting in the center seat. Usually when you get into an Escalade and you're in the center seat, you're the only white guy in the car. You're going to be told some information that really matters. Of course. You got to listen. You got to listen. You better listen. 
But then they just tried to sell him a vacation house in the Caribbean, and, uh, and he got very sad, and he did not, uh, and he lost, and he lost faith uh, in the revolutionary process. Ended up becoming an, uh, an informant for the FBI, and uh, and basically uh, led to the his uh, his undercover work led to the arrest of of two individuals, one Mr. Uh, David McKay, mm-hmm. and what's the other guy? Bradley Crowder. Bradley Crowder. These were kids in uh, in Minnesota. And uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, just nice 23-year-old Midwestern boys drinking on a regular basis, uh, talking out of their ass about how they wanted to bomb the Republicans when they come in for the Republican National Convention in 2008 uh, in downtown Minneapolis. Which, by the way, how many of us throughout the years have said dumb shit like this? I if if everything was recorded that I said while I was going through my uh, political science sociology studies, um, I would be uh, imprisoned and in shackles right now. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt about it. The anti-government sentiment was absolutely huge, especially in 08. I mean, well, actually, not so much in 08. We had a good. The one nice thing about going to college in 01, 02, 03 was oh. the lead up to the war. We actually did feel like we were protesting something big. And I'll tell you one thing, boy, do those protests work. <laughs> We didn't go into two unwarranted wars at all. They listened to us. Yeah, they sure did. Remember that one? Remember that big worldwide uh, Iraq protest? You remember that one? Yeah, sure. One it was of, huge. One it of was, the twelve. It was the 100? biggest. It was the biggest worldwide protest in human history. Oh, okay. And did nothing. Didn't do anything. Did a goddamn zero. Yeah, and we of course uh, go back and listen to the episode with Saman Arbabi. That was last week's episode. Uh, we lost Fallujah, which is just that, that Iraq War was a total nightmare. And uh, these kids knew that. And the Republicans were coming to town, and they're twenty three years old, and they're liberals, and they're trying to get pussy. Yeah. You know, very key to a 23-year-old boy. Very, very important in a 23-year-old boy's life. Um, and so they were making some threats about blowing up the uh, Republican convention, which, you know, that is just fun bar conversation. Of course it is. And I'm, we're not even joking here. Yeah, this like, is it. Yeah. And in no way were they, uh, were they actually planning on pulling off this attack. Brandon Darby comes into the picture, now working as an FBI informant um, after, losing, after losing faith in the radicalization process. Basically, Brandon Darby is just an egomaniac who is looking for any ability to gain power. And uh, when, he was, when he was leading these groups in New Orleans under the guise of social justice, he was, just a, he was a real uh, power-hungry pig, and a lot of people disliked him. And they didn't, uh, he didn't believe in the, um, in, the, uh, in the idea that everybody should have a voice. He was very authoritarian. Uh, very authoritarian. Um, so he joins forces with the FBI and pretty much uh, convinces these boys who were much like he was at this age, which is so ironic, um, to make some Molotov cocktails and actually uh, a bomb uh, the RNC. So the question is, and this is what I was talking with Marcus about before the show, is, uh, you know, do these underground or do these informants, do these FBI um, sting operations, do they create the terrorism that they then bust? And if so... Uh, does it do anything? Does it solve anything? The terrorist who's actually going out there and going to create these bombs and, and create a, uh, a uh, situation of mass destruction, they're, they're doing it without the, without the FBI. The FBI, this Brandon Darby character, pretty much told these guys exactly what to do and how to do it. Absolutely. And this is the, I've done a little bit of reading up on this, and this seems to be the case in 
A good amount of them. It said that uh, while during the trial, uh, the two guys stated that Darby was the one to suggest violence when the rest of us clearly disagreed. And uh, the lawyer right. said that as an older seasoned activist, Darby had a lot of sway over Crowder and McKay, making them susceptible to his often militant uh, rhetoric. Very uh, militant guy. Yeah. And that is what you see over and over again. Mm-hmm. That There's a lot of times in these uh, like where the FBI will come and they'll stake out uh, mosques, uh, mm-hmm. certain other places. There's even been some, and it's not just Musa. I even heard of some white fellas that were busted on this whole thing. Some white fellas, some you say? Some white fellas. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It ain't right. <laughs> uh, so what these guys do is that they start setting them on the path uh, to some sort of terroristic plot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, these guys will start to show some... Uh, hesitation. Hesitation, yeah. yeah. And they'll be like, well, I don't know if we should go through this. This is a little bit further than I wanted to go. But the right. FBI There's a karaoke agents- going on down the road. I would, I love to do the karaoke and then it's quarter tap night over there at Chubster's Pub and Grill so I kind of want to do that also. Yeah, I met this girl and I think I'm going to go hang out with her. Turns out I was just sexually frustrated this entire time. Isn't that something? But, I don't really care the Republicans are coming. Yeah, but the guys, uh, the FBI guys will egg them on. They'll say no, you should do this. This is your duty to jihad. By the way, the 2008 Republican convention, I mean that that would be a fun one. You would, you ah. would If you did an bomb in that one, uh, you would have you really gotten a, a who's who. Oh, you would have you would have gotten rid of every single correspondent that, that is currently on Fox News. <laughs> Sarah Palin, she's gone. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Well, another but there was no way that these guys were actually going to do it, and it's ironic because when they did finally uh, uh, go through with the idea of like making the Molotov cocktails, which they kept in their basement, and they had no clue, they had no concept, they had no idea how illegal it is to. Uh, to uh, you know, have this in your possession, mm-hmm. and uh, they use tampons for the uh, for the string by the as the uh, as the igniter. They were going to use the tampons there, really, which is fine. A couple of guys buying tampons, red flag, <laughs> red flag. Either you're a really good boyfriend, or you're making a Molotov cocktail to kill Sarah Palin with. Mm, which one is it? But uh, these guys, I thought it was ironic because, of course, theoretically, they're anti-government, they're anti-establishment, and they are anti-corporations. Um, and they, they, they bought everything that they needed at Walmart, which is really, that, that's the greatest endorsement ever for Walmart. Yeah. Hey, you plan on a government attack, you hate big corporations, come on down, get your terrorist goods right here at your local Walmart. And you never buy all your stuff in one place. It's a one-stop shop, but how can't you? The deals are so good. You can't go down to Leroy's, uh, you know, uh, pharmacy to get the tampons when they're $4 cheaper at Walmart. And then, of course, they got the wine bottles, pick up some steak while you're there, and the biggest bag of glazed potato chips you've ever seen. That's the thing about Walmart. Always the biggest bags of potato chips I've ever seen. In New York City, we've got pretzels. We've got the pounder. One pound of pretzels. Walmart, they can get yourself a two-pound bag of pretzels <laughs> there at Walmart, which is very ironic. Potentially legal. And this guy, again, he was very strong-willed. He was somebody that you would not uh, want to say no to, or he would... Uh, he, he would do something physically uh, harmful uh, to you. Oh, absolutely. And he was in a, in a position of power in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And he also, and he also, he associates with some uh, shady characters. Yes, he does. He spoke alongside Sheriff Joe Arpaio at the Choose Liberty 2012 conference in Florida, sponsored by the Eastern Orlando Tea Party. Because nothing says liberty like, uh, you know, having a outdoor prison camp where people have to wear pink uh, underwear and uh, and suffer in the sweltering sun for very, very minimal crimes. Some would argue for crimes uh, such as wanting to come to America and work. 
<laughs> Sheriff Joe Pyre is a fascist, a felon, and uh, and should be treated um, worse than any prisoner who is currently suffering in solitary confinement uh, with prison guards spitting all over his food. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darby also appeared in Occupy Unmasked, a documentary Ooh. film that aimed to present evidence that the Occupy Wall Street movement is violent and was organized with the purpose of destroying the American government. Well, you know what's interesting, and this is actually one area that is very conflicting for me because informant fascinating documentary halfway through you know but a quarter of the way through the documentary i wanted to turn it off because he was such a liberal douche he was such a left-wing fascist um uh very uh very like violent left-wing thinker mm-hmm. and so i wanted to turn it off because of that but i was like okay stick with it and then by the end of it he turns into the exact same thing but for the right wing and so at the end of it you're like well all right He's a douchey guy. In the middle, you're sort of like, okay, let's figure out this guy. He's going through a, a transformation. Uh, maybe he's going to have like something, some redeeming qualities towards the end of it. And um, and he really uh, ends up being a total tool, hanging out with someone like Sheriff Joe Opayo. But he does bring up a good point. One of the fellows that he was organizing with in New Orleans, um, terrible haircut on this guy. I forget his name. Uh, but he, he, one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen. That's Just cute. one of these Williamsburg hipster haircuts. He's, oh, he seems like okay. a real chode. Okay. Um, I would go for a mullet over what this guy has on his head. <laughs> you know, it's got he's, he's, he's it's very very long in the top, and it's it's quaffed perfectly to cover his uh, disgusting looking forehead, things like that. But he was discussing. And this is the this is one of the fellows that ended up hating uh, Brandon Darby, and this was one of his closest allies uh, during his work in New Orleans. How it's okay for people to go on um, violent escapades when it comes to like, um, and this is something that a lot of left wing organizations believe is okay, uh, much like Elf and things like that. The Animal, uh, animal Liberation Front they believe that public property descri- uh, destruction is not technically violence, and they think that it's all right to do, yeah. um, despite the fact that like there's a great there's a much better chance. If you burn down a building, that someone's going to get hurt than if you don't, <laughs> you know. Um, so yep. I am not necessarily sold on the idea that the destruction of public property should be something that uh, should be considered acceptable by a group's um, in their in a group's constitution. You know, it's a little bit questionable. So that's one of the areas where Brandon Darby, I think he rationalizes his complete right wing turn. But in reality, he just turned to the right wing because that was the largest audience. And uh, and I'll tell you, he also loves to sleep at a Sheraton hotel for free because all of these conferences that he did were in in hotels and uh, in their little banquet halls. And uh, I don't know what they got to do. Hotels got to spice up the banquet hall. Yeah, they're it's always the vanilla, uh, the manila paper in yeah. the back, you know, purplish gray. Yeah, it's just sad looking. Mm-hmm. It looks sad. I guess when you're in there and someone's trying to sell you a timeshare to the Caribbean, you're like anything to get the fuck out of here. Absolutely. Well, some of the other uh, so-called lethal terrorist plots that have been the subject the of entrapment. Lethal, you said? Uh, supposedly lethal. Yeah. Like These are ones that, if they would have gone through, would have been lethal to a great many Americans, but were actually, uh, were actually composed up by the FBI. Right. A would-be suicide bomber was up intercepted on the way to the Capitol. A scheme to bomb synagogues and shoot stinger missiles at military aircraft was developed by men in Newburgh, New York. And a mm-hmm. fanciful idea to fly explosive laser model planes into the Pentagon and the Capitol was hatched in Massachusetts, but all these dramas were facilitated by the FBI whose undercover agents and informers posed as terrorists offering a dummy missile, fake C4 explosives, a disarmed suicide vest, and rudimentary training. Suspects naively 
played their parts until they were arrested. And I think it's interesting. I think the line playing your part is uh, very important because that's yeah. pretty much what, what is happening here. It's just Shakespeare in the park. It's just improv everywhere. People end up falling into the roles that they are given by these uh, by these individuals all around them. And they don't know that they're being lied to and they don't have any idea um, that they're just pawns in, in a much larger game of chess that... Uh, that uh, is completely that they're completely unaware of, and uh, so that's really what the FBI manages to do is to put people in positions and make them these people that they probably would not have been without. Not to mention the idea is uh, what if they mess it up? I think we, we had a couple of jokes uh, on my, many episodes past about like well, if the real bomb, if the fake bombs in my bag, I got nothing but cotton <laughs> panties and underwear in this bag. Well, what happened? Well, here's a pretty good example. When an Oregon college student, Muhammad Osman Mahamud, thought of using a car bomb to attack a festive Christmas tree lighting ceremony in Portland, the FBI provided a van loaded with six 55-gallon drums of mm-hmm. inert material, harmless blasting caps, a detonator cord, and a gallon of diesel fuel to make the van smell flammable. An undercover FBI agent even did the driving with right. Mr. Muhammad in the passenger seat. To trigger the bomb, the student punched a number into his cell phone and got no boom, only a bust. No boom, only a bust. That doesn't sound too bad. But you wonder, this. there's no way that this kid, odds are that this kid would have been able to go through all of these huge elaborate steps to make this van bomb. I'm sorry. What's his name, Marcus? Uh, his name is Muhammad Muhammad. Muhammad Muhammad is going to have a tough time buying a bunch of barrels. <laughs> He's going to have a tough time renting a van. He's going to have a tough time buying fertilizer. Blasting you know, caps. Blasting caps. I don't know if Muhammad Muhammad is necessarily going to have the ability to have a car bomb that he would have liked. You know, it's very interesting when the FBI takes words, when they take... Um, Theoretically, we have freedom of speech, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you should be allowed to say whatever you want to say, even if it's something as ridiculous as like, I hate the Republicans. I wish someone would throw a Molotov cocktail on the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a stupid thing to say, right? But then the, if the FBI then comes up to you and is just like, well, let's go make one. It's going to be a great, fun, great time. And you're that, you know, you're easily influenced and you wouldn't have done it before. What have they done? Like, what was the point of even having you make the go through the whole process? And in this case, in the Minnesota case with these two kids, they were actually legitimate Molotov cocktails that were sitting in these kids' basement for months. Fuck. So they could have at any point, if they were truly radicalized individuals, they could have just gone and thrown them uh, in any number of places and, uh, and, uh, and created quite an explosion. And had that happened... The FBI would have created the entire problem, and they would have caused the entire event. They would have had the two suspects, and they would have come out as zeros. So there's no, uh, there is no downside for the FBI to do this, and uh, and these uh, and these counterterrorism folks. And it really, they weren't, they weren't looking for the people who bombed in Boston. Like, those are the people you have to watch out for. The folks who are actually going out there to do it. Someone in Russia had interviewed uh, Tamilin Zarnaev uh, years ago. Uh, and was in somewhat contact with the FBI about him, but the FBI never followed up on that fucking guy because his name what, wasn't Muhammad Muhammad. <laughs> well, what they're saying, and, and there was another case of a guy who was uh, from Yemen, and they caught him uh, ten years past his visa, 
visa uh, expiration date. Uh, right. And instead of just deporting him like they should have, yeah. they got him caught up in one of these uh, in one of these scams. And now we, the taxpayer has to pay for this guy right. to be in prison for the rest of his life and for and doing nothing. For doing nothing. I mean, and the, the, it's a waste of time and resources because it is. if and the other and. Even if you want to be in theater, go get your uh, go get a degree from Boston University in theater. Yeah, you know if you want to play, uh, if you want to do improvising, go to UCB, take some great classes, or the Pit rather, mm-hmm. the People's Improv Theater here in New York City, run by a very nice fellow named Dali and Murder Fist, which is a fantastic sketch group that Henry Zabrowski, Ed Larson, Holden McNeely, and Jackie Zabrowski. Our stars of mm-hmm. uh, have a monthly show there. That's right. I believe it's the uh, whatever the what it was the, the third Saturday, the second Saturday of every month. You can look on the site. You'll look find it. Up. You'll figure it out. But uh, that's what these people are doing. Yeah. And if you look at the okay, the only two at least that we know of terrorist attacks that have happened since nine eleven that have been publicized. Of course, Boston bombing was yep. a big one. Uh, and I'm talking. I'm not talking about like underwear bombing or anything like that. Which of course in itself wasn't that an FBI. Uh, it was. Der- they said. Him on a, they sent him on a, uh, the FBI did set up that, uh, the underwear bomber, I forget his name now. I can't remember either. Um, but uh, that could have gone horribly wrong. That really well. could have gone wrong. But another one that happened uh, that doesn't get, that got a lot of uh, play here in New York City. You remember the guy a couple years ago that tried setting off the car bomb in Times Square? That's right. He failed miserably. He failed miserably because he, all he did was he got a bunch of fireworks and some fertilizer, but didn't know that not yeah. all fertilizer was flammable It's and actually explosive. extremely, it's extremely difficult to get get the flammable fertilizer it's extremely these difficult yeah. to get that so even the people that aren't doing they're doing it without the fbi they don't know how to do it the right. fbi is telling these people how to fucking do it and how to do it perfectly and yeah. there's no one better who knows how to make a bomb than the u.s government you yeah. know and uh, and they, <laughs> they give you some real nice uh information and some insight and in this situation in minnesota specifically it was just such a fascinating documentary because the kids they are just 23 fat you know, not, well, not kids? all fat, not not necessarily that fat. They were actually kind of, but they were not. Uh, they were just average at best mm-hmm. kids, white kids growing up in Minneapolis, who so desperately wanted to do something, but they would have never done any of these terrorist uh, acts. They would have just forgotten about it, and they would have uh, gone to college, which is exactly what they do. And then they would have done. Uh, they would have lived a fantastic, normal, uh, fine life. So it's 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 just bizarre when a person who is who is very notorious this Darby character mm-hmm. everybody knew about him everyone and it's cool I remember growing up all I did uh, growing up was listen to like punk and like white zombie and like you know like no effects and like rancid and of course no effects has the, like the don't call me white song mm-hmm. and shit like that and there was a lot of like you know being white and you know you could argue that it is not the coolest race to be in america today no uh and uh but then again you go back and look at some old covers of the uh music group alabama when they were super <laughs> cool and you're like well the country's always choosing the weirdos i guess yeah marshall tucker band They're yeah i don't great. know yeah i mean you know they didn't look exactly great i mean there was a time where the mullet was very popular and the white man ruled the world and you could make a strong argument that uh little wayne is slightly classier <laughs> um and uh and i wouldn't necessarily disagree agree with that but uh the so you know so the idea of uh, being associated with somebody who's like he's in with the black panthers he's like a far leftist he's like this super cool badass dude 
Uh, you are easily influenced when you're from the Midwest, especially when somebody comes to you with a resume uh, such as uh, Darby's, and especially when he is he's attractive, he's bald, he's banging all the chicks. Mm-hmm. He's the coolest guy in town. He's like if Matthew McConaughey from um, from uh, what's that uh, amazing Dazed and Confused, Dazed and Confused <laughs> actually had any political ambition, and it turned out uh, to get relatively corrupted, and he wanted to uh, blow up the high school. All the girls, all the kids would have followed uh, Matthew McConaughey in that movie. You know, because he's so damn cool, and that's what happened to these uh, to these kids. They just ended up following the cool kid in class, and the cool kid in class wanted to make some Molotov cocktails. And you know, honestly, that's a pretty goddamn cool class. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But it's it is it's a fascinating conversation. I emailed uh, Zach Hayden, who uh, we released that interview that we had mm-hmm. uh, regarding the ridiculous laws in America, and I was trying to discuss this subject with him. But he said he wasn't an expert. So um, if anyone out there listening, uh, you know, has any sort of uh, has somebody uh, in the FBI, or perhaps you are in the FBI, or uh, maybe you're in the NSA and you're listening right now and you mm. work and you're trying to like, oh, I wish I could look at porn, but you can't look at porn because they're watching everything you do the <laughs> same way you're watching everything that I do, which is looking at porn. So my life is better than yours. So you're jealous. <laughs> That's the sad thing about being in the NSA, huh? Yeah. You get, to, you get to watch everybody and listen to everybody else's conversations. You're like, nah, I wish I had a friend. <laughs> nah, I wish I could look at smut right now like Ben Kissel is in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, that's a sad. I'm going to trump up some charges. I'm going to trump up some terrorism charges. Uh, but please uh, let us know uh, because I would love to interview them and, uh, and discuss this issue because I feel like the FBI, uh, they create a lot of problems uh, that don't need to be created. And then they get all the kudos and they get all the awards for busting crimes that were never going to happen in the first place unless they put uh, their hands uh, and, and fingers and uh, feet and uh, all over it unless they created it. Uh, and then to, just to bust it almost the way that Almost the way that when I used to work at a fast food job and when you did nothing, you had nothing to do. No one was there. You had to look like you were doing something so you could keep your job. Mm-hmm. I had some of the cleanest. There, it was the cleanest stainless steel around. I can't tell you how many times I just wiped a rag over stainless steel that was totally clean to begin with. I've done that. Just so my manager doesn't look at me and be like, what are you? You looks like you're doing nothing. You better go clean the shitter. <laughs> So all these FBI people are just like, oh, I don't want to get fired today. I better create a controversy. Otherwise, I'm going to be cleaning the shitter. And I believe it's the same punishment for the FBI as it is for someone who works at Taco Bell. (laughs) It's possible. Um, Anyway, that's been fun. Happy birthday, Marcus. Thank you. I love you. Love you, too. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Goodbye. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.